Greetings. Today is November 1st, 2021, and while we are speaking, there's an exciting event going on in Glasgow, Scotland. It's the COP26, known as COP26, which is the 26th annual conference of the parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. It's an international event where world leaders come together to advance climate goals, including those agreed upon in the 2015 COP21. During COP2021, Nations of the world adopted the Paris Agreement to hold global average temperatures to well below 2 degrees Celsius, above pre-industrial levels, and to pursue efforts to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. This is an exciting event going on, and today I had the privilege to speak with Daphne Weisham. Here's Daphne's introduction. Hi there. This is Daphne Weisham, and I'm the CEO of Methane Action, which is a nonprofit organization with a unique mission to identify solutions that can rapidly reduce atmospheric methane concentrations to pre-industrial levels and ensure their implementation for the benefit of both present and future generations. Now, while there might have been a little background noise, uh, Daphne was kind enough to find a place out of the busy environment of the conference and have this interview. Yesterday's talk had several scientists talking about the methane um, emissions, and one of them was Derwood Zelke. Now, Derwood is the founder of and president of the Institute of, for Governance and Sustainable Development in Washington, D.C. and Geneva. Derwood is the author of the leading law school textbook on international environmental law and policy. Next up is Derwood Zelke. He is the founder and president of the Institute for Governance and Sustainable Development. Thanks for joining us, Derwood. Thank you, Daphne. It's wonderful to be part of such an optimistic group of scientists. It's uh, incredibly exciting to see the potential here. Let me make a couple of comments first on the need for speed. Uh, we uh, are facing the feedbacks that are showing that the earth is warming itself. We're right on the edge of passing tipping points. If you talk to the best scientist on the tipping points, Tim Lenton at Exeter, he'll tell us we have somewhere between zero and 10 years before we step off the cliff. We are going to have a very hard time climbing back up if that happens. So when you understand that need for speed, you can understand how important cutting methane is and learning how to pull it out of the atmosphere. Indeed, this may be the single most important strategy together to solve, uh, to keep us from literally losing control of the climate system. So I'm, I'm very, very motivated and excited to be able to help uh, your effort. And I'll, um, I'll mention what's happening on the policy front that is equally important. The U.S. and the Europeans have put together the Global Methane Pledge. And in less than two months, they have, according to reports today in Bloomberg News, reached about 80 countries supporting this effort to cut methane in this current decade. And this is part of a, a more uh, nuanced and sophisticated architecture for climate protection that the Biden administration has helped bring to the fore. And that is a focus on the near term, starting with 1.5 as the absolute maximum 
that we can tolerate. And, and of course, Daphne, you said when you introduced us that we're already suffering impacts that are beyond what we can endure. So going back to below uh, the current level of warming is also going to be critical, obviously something that uh, this group is focused on. So then focusing on 2030, this has to be the death decade of successful action. Then methane and the other short-lived super climate pollutants, including the HFCs and black carbon, tropospheric ozone. And then finally, moving climate policy to the head of state level. Today at the COP, over 100 countries have signed a pledge to reduce their anthropogenic methane emissions by 30% uh, by 2030, below 2020 levels. So we at Methane Action, of course, support um, all efforts to reduce man-made methane emissions at their source. Agricultural emissions of methane are the largest source of methane globally, and those emissions are very difficult to get to zero, if not impossible. Um, and yet we do need to reduce those emissions as well. And the second reason is because biogenic or natural sources of methane are also rising as the climate warms from sources such as wetlands and permafrost as it uh, continues to melt. So um, in order to avoid a sort of uh, a feedback loop, a very dangerous feedback loop of more methane in the atmosphere contributing to a continuous rise of methane in the atmosphere. We need to sort of break that vicious cycle with methane removal. And so methane removal comes in a variety of different um, possible shapes and sizes. One of them is um, called iron salt aerosol. And this is actually something that happens naturally um, when iron rich dust, which you can find all over the planet, but in particular, you can find it in um, the Sahara dust desert where you have routinely have these uh, enormous windstorms. Daphne goes on to explain that the iron-rich dust blows into the Atlantic Ocean and fertilizes the ocean and also oxidizes the methane. It does it by mixing with the chlorine radical that is released in the salt sea spray from sodium chloride. You'll recall from your chemistry class that sodium and chloride makes salt. And the chlorine radical uh, combines with methane and ultraviolet light to oxidize or break down methane into CO2 and water. And um, right now, the atmosphere is so overwhelmed with methane that it can't keep up with this oxidation process that happens naturally. And so what the scientists are proposing to do is to enhance that atmospheric oxidation, which is a very gentle, natural way of removing methane from the atmosphere and transforming it into CO2 and water. Methane removal, as I've just described it, has generated virtually nothing so far. And it's partly because there just isn't an awareness that this is possible. 
And so that's one of the things that, that Methane Action, um, that we tried to present in our forum, which you can see on our website at methaneaction.org. You can hear the scientists and hear what they have to say about all of the different uh, technological options that are possible, but they desperately need the funding to make them real. To learn more about Daphne's organization, the Methane Action, you can go to the website methaneaction.org, and there there is a link to sign a letter in support. Um, the support link is support the methane declaration. Durwood has more to say about the teamwork involved in making this uh, goal of methane reduction possible. Uh, I've spent a good deal of my career working on the Montreal Protocol, which is so far the best and most successful climate treaty we've ever created. Uh, the treaty that also has managed to put the stratospheric ozone layer on the path to recovery. But at the same time as it reduced the CFCs, and HCFCs, and now um, HFCs, has done more for climate than any other agreement. And we've avoided by just the direct reductions of these fluorinated gases about 1.7 degrees of future warming. And then when you uh, include the fact that we've stopped the ultraviolet radiation from damaging carbon sinks, uh, we now have a new calculation that says we've also avoided about 0.8 degrees Celsius in future warming by protecting sinks. So that's a total of 2.5 degrees Celsius of warming that we've avoided through this sectoral agreement. What's the general feeling this year after one a pandemic and also with um, the you know conference going on in Europe right now? Well, outside the conference, there was probably what I consider you know the most visually striking image of a group of people all dressed in red with their uh, backs up again against a fence, saying "Code Red." for humanity, which is, of course, the term that um, the UN uh, and others have been using to describe where we are, climate code red for humanity. Um, There are indigenous people here from the Amazon. There are people here from all over the world who are working hard to make sure that the, the pledges, whether it's a pledge to end deforestation, which was announced announced today by 2030, or the pledge to cut methane emissions by 30% by 2030. Durwood adds, What we need to do now is use this uh, success as inspiration for how we would approach a global methane agreement. What is it that has made the Montreal Protocol so successful? Uh, We need to look at the scientific assessment panel. We need to look at the technology and economic assessment panel. We need to look at the dedicated funding mechanism through the multilateral fund and how the treaty and its uh, funding mechanism have supported the national ozone offices in 147 developing countries to ensure that we have boots on the ground throughout the world filled with very smart and well-trained people who are able to get this institutional support every year. So we're, again, if I thought we could put methane into the Montreal Protocol, I'd be recommending it here to this group, but that doesn't work. 
What we do need to do is see the mantra protocol as inspiration and to see that its architecture can be borrowed. And some of this is already underway through the Climate and Clean Air Coalition to reduce short-lived climate pollutants. This is the Paris-based group within UNEP, and the U.S. has now assumed the co-chair of this group. They'll have a ministerial meeting later at COP26, and their focus is shifting now to methane removal, or excuse me, to methane mitigation. And now it's up to you and the scientists here to convince them to put methane removal on their agenda as well. Thank you, Derwood. Yes, and um, on that topic of how to get methane removal on the agenda, I'm going to turn it over to our final speaker, who is John Fitzgerald. He is a senior counsel to Methane Action. Go ahead, John. Thank you, Daphne, and thank you all preceding speakers. You've set up a wonderful set of uh, things to uh, conclude here. This slide demonstrates the variety, frankly, of international duties that we can fulfill through the process you have heard described today. And it leads to the Global Methane Declaration, or what we call the Declaration on Removal of Atmospheric Methane. And this is built upon letters from many scientists and now policymakers and policy experts recommending such an approach. And I'm going to outline that approach here. In essence, what we've done for this COP is to present a very short introduction to the already written declaration, which could be adopted independent of the COP and perhaps should be to expedite the process. Nevertheless, it warrants the attention of the COP. And just a bit of background for John Fitzgerald. He coordinates the legal and governmental strategy for methane action. We also note that we have in October the United Nations Human Rights Council declaration or resolution declaring that all persons have a right to clean, healthy, and sustainable environment as a human right. And we therefore ask the conference parties to direct the Secretary General to adopt and implement a declaration on reducing atmospheric methane. And the basic elements of that declaration are basically to ensure first that we're reducing our methane emissions. Secondly, to fund and initiate programs to monitor atmospheric methane so we know how well we're doing. Thirdly, to develop technologies that reduce atmospheric concentrations of methane safely and effectively. And in this paragraph, we list the groups of methodologies that you've heard described before. What we clearly need to do is cut the subsidies for deforestation, cut the subsidies for extractive industries in general, especially fossil fuel industries, and start shifting that to actually some sort of fee on that sort of activity so that we can begin to send, send the, 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 the right signals both in the market and also you know, to, to, to make, make it clear to people that we need to shift away from these very destructive activities. Okay, well, thank you for that information. And we are making this um, recording here in Alaska. And how much um, you know, are the American and the Russian scientists working together in identifying the areas of methane release in the melting permafrost? Well, one of the things that was announced today um, at a uh, at a at a press conference that was chaired by John Kerry and was attended by uh, Fatih Birial, who's the head of the International Energy Agency, and others, 
was the methane pledge and included in that uh, group of speakers was the head of um, a large foundation um, and they have pledged over 350 million to help countries all over the world to enact this methane pledge. In addition, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, which operates in the former Soviet Union and in Russia, is has pledged to provide financial resources um, to make sure that Russia, which is the number one um, source of methane being released from its oil and gas extraction, has the resources to address methane um, leaks in its infrastructure. Now, here in Alaska, we have a lot of oil um, exploration and production, and there's areas of leaks and past sites. Um, is there any talk about cracking down on enforcing the regulations of any leaks from former oil exploration sites? Yes, that was a, another big announcement today is that the EPA regulations um, were announced today, and they are going to strengthen... Um, both for existing uh, fossil fuel infrastructure and for new fossil fuel infrastructure, um, methane leaks from uh, that infrastructure. And that will result in, according to um, the EPA, thousands of jobs uh, all over the country to deal with that problem. Um, Yeah, so Snow Change Cooperative is a group of, as I understand it, um, indigenous groups uh, operating in the Arctic. So uh, they are based in Finland, um, but they operate um, throughout the Arctic countries as well. They also collaborate with um, indigenous groups in the lower 48 and um, in uh, some island nations as well. And they have signed on to um, our declaration Uh, in support of our declaration on atmospheric methane removal, which we are delivering to the heads of the various delegations here in Glasgow. And there's a lot of uh, youth groups that are popping up with amazing amount of talent. And uh, uh, maybe we can talk briefly about about the youth activists of our um, movement here. Yes. Youth are key. They are our future. They're going to inherit this uh, planet, and we need to make sure that their voices are front and center. And so, um, you know, whether it's it's Greta Thunberg or, or some of the young people in Alaska, they have that moral uh, authority that is absolutely essential to bring to city council meetings, to state assembly meetings, and um, their their voices are being heard. They're being heard here. So um, keep it up. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Thanks again, Daphne, so much for speaking with us here. And, and once again, people, if they want to learn more about your organization, it's methaneaction.org. Okay. Um, this is Daphne Weisham. I'm the CEO of Methane Action, and I'm speaking with you from Glasgow, Scotland at COP26. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful to speak with you, Daphne. Good to talk to you, Katie. And that concludes today's interview with Daphne Weisham on Beyond Cutting Methane Emissions, Why We Need to Enhance Atmospheric Methane Oxidation. There will be more 
stories on the conference that is going on right now and tune in to the website for links to some of these interviews and information on the conference. Thanks again for listening and I'm Katie Ryder. You can also go to katieridergallery.com to see more links to the podcast All Cooped Up Alaska and also see aerial photography of Alaska.